Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on them eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to be talking about whether you need to find a co-founder or not. Yeah, should be a good one. Well, we, we both have vastly different uh, approaches to this. Yeah, actually, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. So, uh, first of all, a bit of follow-up. So, what are you up to? Uh, still building stuff. We've pretty much finished the, the Perlin calculator that we're working on. Um, timber Perlin's for the, the UK market. We're also working on a... Um, a timber post calculator, um, which which you always do is like fence, not fence posts. These are two posts that you use in, in buildings, so or parts of buildings. So we're just working on that. So just just more of the same, really. Um, so what are you up to, Steve? Anything interesting? Or so I just delivered some training in York. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Pri- private training for a company, and that that was pretty cool. Um, but I decided to stay up there for a few extra days and just sort of work on the book because it's obviously quite a nice. Yeah, it's quite, quite, quite a, a nice city. Ancient, ancient, yeah, ancient town. Uh, the reason it? I stayed up there is uh, this week my wife's taken the kids on a sort of an, another holiday with her sister and the cousins. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they're away for the week. Um, obviously, I couldn't go because I was delivering training. So I thought, let's turn it into a little mini mini wo- mini break, like mini that. mini workation. Yeah, you're doing the whole digital nomad thing and working away, and yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just sort of. Preparing, getting chapters prepared to send off to my editor. So yeah, yeah, you have to go to the the, the, the train museum. Is really good. Have you seen that at the York? No, the I, li- I like the Viking museum. That's oh, the Jorvik thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've that. Yeah. If you if you if you're not living in the UK and you like in the US, Google York in the UK. York, it, yeah, it, 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 it is quintessentially British. It's like the old York, not the New York. Oh, old York, yeah. <laughs> old York in, yes. in the old town. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so a couple of questions. Uh, so first one is from Sarah. So I have a hobby that makes a decent amount of money for what it is, which is around a quarter of my salary. Um, I know I could scale this up, but I'm worried that if I make a hobby my job, will I start to not enjoy it? What would you do? Oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like if you do something enjoy doing it as a hobby, but doing something full time is very different, isn't it? Um, I don't know. In some ways, you've got to you've got to try it, haven't you? I think you know, and see if it's. Also, if it's your own thing, so say for example, it makes a quarter of your salary, you might find you get kind of get bored of that. And you want to do something else, and you could still have it as a side project, but have another product as well or another. Well, it sounds like it sounds like what she's doing is actually scaling quite well, so she could probably yeah build it so. up quite quickly. Yeah, I think she'd probably you know look to build from that quarter, perhaps to half your salary, or to a point where you feel that you could you know quit your quit your day job. I mean, you can always go back and get a job, can't you, if you don't enjoy it. So yeah. you could do try it and just I mean, there, there is that school of thought, isn't there, that you sh- you shouldn't turn hobbies into jobs because then they're not hobbies anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fun. I know, I know what you mean. It's kind of strange actually because it does make me think about my journey and originally I was a, a sort of freelance structural engineer. Um, I did projects and it started off as a side project then became my full-time job and then I started working on uh, software products. And now I do a little bit of the consultancy work, but I kind of treat it as like a hobby. It's gone back to what it was originally, okay. which was the hobby. So there are options. You know, there is flexibility, isn't there, to do different things, isn't there? So, some people collect stamps. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin does structural engineer consultancy. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, I'm pretty, <laughs> I enjoy doing it. So I, I like the process of it, you know, and it's, it's uh, something I've done for years. So, yeah, no, I enjoy it as a hobby more than it, almost as a full-time job. So, you know. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same because, I mean, whilst I wouldn't say courses is my hobby, recording and doing video editing and all that sort of stuff is kind of a bit of a hobby of mine yeah yeah so, yeah, so i kind of get to do that whilst delivering courses so yes yeah, so i think you can you, with if you're doing anything you get flexibility to do different things so perhaps you know perhaps 
give it a go. You know, I think you're doing great. If you've got a quarter of your salary, you're doing really well there. I think there's a real. I'd be tempted to say stay put where you are and try and get that quarter of your salary to half of your salary. Yeah, or yeah. three quarters. It, it kind of depends. See, on, see it how depends on your circumstances. It's, it's hard, isn't it? Because obviously, if it's a hobby, you've only got so much spare time, haven't you? So, but I mean, if you can if you can do more with less, that's that's a good hmm. that's a good start, isn't it? But to have a hobby that's earning a quarter of your salary, I mean, that's that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's that's, that's potentially life changing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really good, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so next question is from someone called Dylan. So I have a great idea for a business, and it is my dream to work for myself, but my wife doesn't agree. I am not sure how to proceed. Yeah, this is very a carefully. Yeah, it's, this is this is really tricky, actually. I think I think in some ways you've got to kind of um, prove your idea, haven't you? So if you say if you build, you know, if you're working on business and you're working on it for years and nothing's ever happened, you never made any money from it, perhaps your wife just doesn't see any point in it. Perhaps she's just thinking of your best interest, you know, thinking, oh, are you just wasting your time, you know? It feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, he, he didn't go into much detail. He just says, I, I have a great idea. So. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so maybe I'll actually try and validate that idea. Yeah, perhaps it's, if it's just an idea and you haven't actually done anything yet, perhaps it's just, just try it. And if it's, it'd be great if you did try something and you had some kind of level of success at it, you know, or if you could somehow validate the idea and then you can then you can go to your wife and say oh yeah look I've had this degree of success I have this revenue or something's happened or you know I've got these contacts or I've met these people or it's, it's very hard isn't it um, if you've not done anything or achieved anything it's very hard um, just to go with an idea I think you need probably more than that don't you would, would you say yeah or, I mean I can, I can see where he's coming from because like, my wife is very apprehensive about me quitting work and yeah. doing my own thing for, for good reasons you know we, we have outgoings we, you know we've got a family and all of that Mm. So, as well as proving to myself that I could do it, I was actually having to prove to her that it was actually viable. Yeah, yeah. I think if you can, if you can show, like, you know, um, I think you said when you started out, you set up like a pay wine scheme, didn't you? Or are you going to pay yourself the same salary as what you were? Yeah. So when I, st- yeah, to, so to make the transition kind of less scary for my wife, I set up a. In the UK, it's called a pay as you own scheme. It's basically where you have a, a salary scheme. Yeah, up. similar to what you would if you. So had a job, I, yeah. I paid myself a salary. And the agreement with my wife was I'll pay myself exactly the same as what my job that I was leaving was paying. Yeah. So from her point of view, when she looks at the, the joint bank account, it's the same yeah. amount of money going. That in. makes it very easy for your wife to agree to it then, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think if I think if you're sort of person said, I'm just gonna quit my job for three years and just build out this idea or whatever for three years without any kind of money, it's probably stuff like that that probably scares yeah, me. Yeah, if, if my wife t- if my wife turned around and said that to me. I'd be apprehensive about yeah, it as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's a great idea because if there's no chance of success, you know, or very, very. I think maybe no Dylan needs to talk to Sarah from the other, from the other <laughs> question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps Dylan needs to get to the point like Sarah, where Sarah's earning a quarter of her salary, which is really good. So perhaps if if Dylan has an idea and he can build it out and test the idea and see some kind of level of success with it. I mean, ideally with revenue, you know. So if you can say, oh, I'm earning like, you know, a quarter of my salary, you can go to his wife. And it'd be nice because he might be able to say, oh, you know, I'll use this money to go and um, you go for a nice meal or something, or go for a day out or do something, you know. And it's it's nice if you use that money for something nice for the family or for your wife mm. or to do something together, you know. Um, that's quite nice. It kind of proves the idea, doesn't it? I think Dylan Absolutely. needs to sort of work out the idea and then kind of get buy-in ready, doesn't he, with, with the idea, you know. But it's, it's tricky, isn't it? I think it's, it's always hard with... Sometimes what you know what happens if you do a brilliant job and your wife still doesn't agree to it. You know, it's like are they holding you back? <laughs> I don't know. It's well, I mean, that, that's that's a different conversation at that point. Yeah, isn't it? perhaps. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't give much context. He just says he's got an idea. But, oh yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, as, as I say, ideas are worthless. It's it's execution. It's, yeah, you've got to. You perhaps you ought to just just try a few different ideas and see what happens. If it's if it's something you could do, you know, a few hours a week or you know, a, a, you know, an hour each evening, and provided you've got time to do that, you know, 
Yeah, yeah there, there was no hint of whether it was a software product or or anything else. Or what type so. of business it was, yeah. It's good that he's got a dream to work. I think there's, you know, if he's got a dream then, you know, make that your goal, you know, to try and earn a little bit of... I, I have a lot of respect for anybody who can make a pound on the internet. That's what I always say, you know. I think power to them. So if you can... Um, or we can make any money in any business, you know. So if you can go out and prove your idea and earn just a pound, you know, it, it's it's you can iterate out from that, can't you? Yeah. Once you've got that first revenue, you know, and just keep going from there. But I think once you've got to a certain point, you're going to get buying, aren't you? That they're, they're going to believe, aren't they? They're going to mm. see that you you can do what you, you know what you want to do. Cool. So thank you to Sarah and Dylan for those questions. They uh, they made us think those ones, which is yeah. always good. <laughs> So for our show topic then, I thought it'd be good to talk about co-founders. Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you need one? Do you not need one? Uh, yeah. What are the benefits? Right. What are the disadvantages? <laughs> You're so, yeah, you know, long-time listeners in the show will know that we have drastically different approaches to this. So you have a co-founder? Yeah, I do. And two of my businesses, that was the same co-founder. Um, and yeah, it kind of works because we have different skill sets. Um, I mean, ideally, if I could do all the things on my own, ideally, I would have just gone on my own. I think that would have been my preference. Um, but it, it does actually work quite well having two people. Um, but I don't know what your thoughts are. So I know that you're a solo founder, so. Yeah, I mean, when I look at differences taught me and you do, I mean, my business is it's a content business that's basically that's based around a personal brand. Mm. So for me to have a co-founder, it's very difficult because the stuff I put out is in my name. Yeah, yeah, you um, are the brand, aren't you? Yeah, the, you know, you're, you know, you're the, the publishing contract I have with Pluralsight, for example, is me. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't outsource that course to someone else no no because no. it's supposed to be me building it so for me that doesn't really work whereas in your what you're doing you're, you know you're building a software product software as a service product it kind of makes sense because i guess you've got complementary skills yeah yeah it does, it does work okay actually i mean um i mean if i if i could code I, if i probably took the time out to learn how to code you know um which perhaps i should have done actually it's it's hard to know in retrospect you know what to do um, but I didn't at the time, and I obviously had the structural engineering skill set, and obviously I needed a programmer to build a software product. Um, so it made sense for me to kind of partner with somebody at that at that point in my career, you know. Um, but I think ideally, if I had the skills to be able to do it on my own, I would have done it on my own. I think that would always yeah. be my preference. Um, then you can say an advantage is it's not. It doesn't mean you have to be hundred percent on the business all the time yourself, though, does it? What's so, Oh yeah, yeah. So I think there's definitely advantage to having two people just to have a sounding board. To, to, to sort of meet somebody and talk with somebody and, and, and go through all these yeah. different issues. I mean, yeah. do you do all decision making kind of democratically between the two of you? Yeah, any big decisions. Yeah, I mean, smaller stuff we might just make on our own. But yeah, any, any big decision is, is discussed and we agree upon it, you know. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I guess you don't work together every day, like in person. No, really. no, we tend to meet like once a fortnight. We do half a day um, once a fortnight. We have a proper meeting and you know discuss. We obviously talk on the phone as well, um, and we email each other and etc. You know, so we do we do communicate, but um, yeah, we don't work together full time though. Okay. Um, but you know it works okay actually. Um, our particular partnership, but I think it, it's a tricky one. I think it's sometimes good. Also, sometimes have different complementary skill sets. People might have be good at one particular thing, and then people are good at the other thing. So you can kind of use your best, you know, your best skills. So whatever, whatever your best skill is you can just concentrate on that one thing and if the other person is good at the other thing that's mm. ideal you know if you've got complementary skill sets that's always so in your case you're the subject matter expert yeah structural engineering whereas your co-founder partner yeah 
bring those brings those ideas to life. Yeah, yeah, execute yeah. on those ideas that's and cool. build a, a you know a product that works. You know, and and they have their own skills. That's why they're good at design. They're good at UI. They're good at um, obviously product and all that kind of stuff. You know, so it, it does work quite well actually. I think you know me being the subject matter expert. You know, it does work quite well. Um, yeah. When you was forming your business and you. You know, looking. I mean, did you have a co-founder in place already, or did you have to go out and try and find someone? To I initially, help you? I initially, well, I had this idea for a. Pro- I kind of what I'd done is initially, I had a. I worked down the office from a like a web design company, hmm. uh, like an agency, and I said, oh, I had this idea for a product, and I, they kind of they built this product initially, this product for me, and it was it cost an absolute fortune. You know, as as I was just a sole practitioner, structural engineer, so I wasn't like earning. Oh, so you actually hired this company? To yeah, initially, you, yeah, okay. and they built me a product that was, it was kind of it was kind of, kind of basic, but it worked and it 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 made revenue. You know, so I think it made like three thousand pounds a year or something like not loads, but enough mm. to sort of prove the idea. Okay. So then after doing that for about a year and a half, something like that, then I was just I just randomly emailed. Um, web developers you know and say would you be interested I've got this new idea I've kind of built this thing it's kind of semi-successful so I've got kind of proven track record and I was able to find somebody that would would work with me as a, as a co-founder because I couldn't code and obviously I needed somebody to to build the product so we, we went into partnership with a, my first business partner um, and that, that kind of worked okay but it, it you know it's, it's a tricky one because obviously it's somebody with business partners, it's almost like getting into a marriage, isn't it? You right. know, you've got to be very careful about, and there's so many horror stories where business partnerships have gone wrong. You know, people have been ripped off by their other business partner, or when oh, one of them right, wants yeah, to yeah. retire and the other one doesn't. It's like, how do you value the business? How does that work? You know, and it, it, it's, it can be a bit of a nightmare, actually, I think. So I think you're preferable to be on your own, but obviously I, I didn't have that option at the time because I didn't have those skill sets that I needed to, to found the business. Um, so I don't know, what are your thoughts on being solo or... Yeah, well, I mean, as I said, yeah, because my business is more kind of personal brand based. So for me, it doesn't make sense to have a co-founder. And if I did have a co-founder, I'm not really sure kind of what they would do or how we'd split the company up. Yeah, perhaps for your business, the the, the sort of the training business that you have, it it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, to be? I assume you can still hire people to work with clients if you do. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I can still hire. I mean, I don't want staff, full time staff. Yeah, that's kind of the fairest from what I want. But I mean, I do hire freelancers all the time. Sort of people who to do stuff that I can't do, mainly design, okay, yeah. visual design yeah, work. So, yeah. And you know, the editor of my book, I mean, she's a freelancer herself. So it's not like even even on your own, you're not entirely on your own, are you? you still have people no, that you can but, call but, but I'm, I'm the sole decision maker in, in what I do. So, yeah. so everything lives or dies on my decision. So if I make a bad decision, then it's, it's on me. Do you think sometimes you would you benefit from having somebody to sort of talk to or, or not? Or? I don't know. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time. They're just not necessarily in the UK. So I've got so many acquaintances in the line of work that I do who do similar things to me. And that, it, must, it, yeah, you know, that must help massively. And, you know, we're, we're not in competition with each other. It probably feels like, or it looks <laughs> like we are, but, but, but we're not. You know, we're all building courses. We're all talking at events. We're all doing training, but in different areas. Uh, okay, so a lot okay. of the time, you know, you know I, I can just go and ask one of my acquaintances, but not that many of them are in the UK. Perhaps if you're on your own, you have to have a good network then, don't you, really? That probably helps, doesn't it? Of other yeah, I'll say the network's very important. I mean, the the person who's editing my book, I mean, she lives in Perth in Australia, and she was a personal recommendation from another speaker that I know who also lives in Perth. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. The fact that I'm in the UK and she's in Australia makes absolutely no difference whatsoever because I'm sending her files, she's doing her work, and then sending stuff back. Yeah, So yeah. It, it doesn't matter where we are or what good, time zone. Perhaps it's good kind of remote work, isn't it, in that respect? 
Yeah, but I mean, so as I said, you know, that means I have to make all decisions myself. So if I make a bad decision, then it's, it, that's kind of on me. Yeah, yeah, perhaps you say, I mean, at least I can run it through somebody, you know, at least it gives you that sometimes a, the confidence to hit roadblocks and stuff. You can perhaps get over them easier if there's two of you. Yeah, and again, brainstorming ideas, I mean, like that, that can be difficult as well. I mean, when I, when I restructured the book recently, I mean, I know I sent you a, a kind of a big spider diagram of all the chapters and I sent it off to several people just to try and... Okay, I don't think it was pretty useful, but perhaps I got to, got to give more feedback. Just, but yeah. I was just trying to get input on, you know, this is kind of the contents of the book, what I'm going to talk about. Do you yeah. think that kind of covers all the bases? And that initial kind of brainstorm idea, you know, I think I've added an additional nine chapters from, oh, well, from, from people, people suggested. suggested yeah, so. yeah, it's good that you've got people willing to give you that feedback. And But going back to the point you said about it being lonely, I mean, yeah, it can be. I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I like being by myself. It doesn't bother yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, can, it can be. I think it's nice to have something to talk to. You know, We only meet like once a fortnight. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have somebody to physically meet. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's people around the site where the offices that I talk to all the time. Um, I use Slack all the time. So the, my primary way of talking to Pluralsight and most of the authors on there is via Slack. There's like a massive Slack group. Yeah, that's it's funny. I prefer like in-person meeting. You get all that extra stuff from meeting people, don't you? You actually get the kind of social interaction and all the body language and all that. Yeah, that's true. You don't get with sort of digital communication. So people from Pluralsight I might meet, well, very infrequently, actually. I mean, I, I met my editor at a conference earlier in the year, which was nice. Yeah. So, yeah. You go to lots of events, though, don't you? And, 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 yeah, and I do. I mean, I've, I've been... Talk, don't you, at events? Well, I was, I, was trying, I was trying to scale down the second half of the year, so I wasn't doing so much, but I kind of seem to have broken my own rule. <laughs> yeah, Because okay. I've got... I've been booked... So I'm doing a couple of user groups which I like doing, I mean, I do those for free. I don't charge for those. I'm doing a, a comp big conference in November, which is in Sweden, which is a really nice event. But I've just been booked for doing a, a workshop, private workshop in okay. October. Yeah, yeah. Which I wasn't going to do enough. Well, actually, no, the cash is useful, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So I kind of broke my own rule there, but, but yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's an advantage not having a co-founder, so I can move very, very quickly. Yeah, if, if I have an idea, I can execute on it straight away. That is away. true. I think when you're when you're with somebody, you have to have some kind of consensus. You can't just go and do something. You kind of have to agree it, um, and so that that does make it, it it makes it less nimble. I think you know. Yeah, so it's clearer direction. You know, I set a direction. I work on something. I mean, there's things I've worked on which haven't done very well at all. I'll just chalk it up to experience. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps yeah. you can just be focused in what you want to do. But but generally, there's, there's less drama. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be in a situation where there's something that I really, really want to do, and then I've got a co-founder saying, "No, that doesn't make sense." Yeah, but no, I really want to do yeah. this. Yeah, I, I think I did. I'd rather be on my own, to be honest. Yeah. It, it's it's just it. It's good. It, there's good and bad in both. I think um, it, it's working well for us at the moment. So I'm, I'm happy with the way things are. But yeah, I see the advantages to being solo, a solo founder. And we'd like to thank the person outside the office <laughs> banging a very loud hammer. I don't know what they're doing, some construction work or something, aren't they, outside? There's some kind of some big wigwam teepee thing suddenly appeared in the courtyard outside. No idea what it's for. Oh, but anyway, okay, okay. so the other thing as well for me that I see as a benefit of not having a co-founder is there's no equity split. So yeah, anything that comes in is kind of mine to do with. I think that's, yeah, that, that's an important factor, I think, especially when you're starting out, they start sort of halving the money that you could potentially earn, you know. If, it depends what, what equity split you're doing, but yeah, it could, it could be... And this is something I was going to ask you because I have no experience with equity whatsoever. So how do you manage that? How, how do you decide? You know, do, do 
do you both have to pay a certain amount of money into it, a pot? It depends. It can get horrifically complicated. Uh, I think the easiest way to do it is if you're 50-50 and you're both putting in the same amount of money and time, at least, you know, initially, you know, or throughout the business, you know. But, but how, how does it work when you set up? I mean, do you say, oh, we're 50-50, which means you take 50% of the profits each? Yeah, yeah. Or, or do you say, well, for it to be 50-50, we both have to pay in picking numbers out the air, £10,000 each into the bank account. It, it could well be. I mean, if it depends. I mean, ideally, want a business where you don't have to put much up front, you know. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's massively different equity splits. Uh, and also, you've got to be careful. I mean, initially, the, my, my first business partner, they, I had a 75% stake and they had a 25% stake. And I paid them a small sum, sort of equalised things a little bit. But it, it, it was kind of bad, actually. I think he took advice that wasn't necessarily good advice. And it would have been nice. It'd been fifty-fifty. I think he would have been more invested in the business, and it would have grown quicker. Especially so how, at the how, start. how would you sort that out? So, if you're seventy-five percent, he's twenty-five. Would, would 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 you work out the value of the company? Then he'd have to pay in. Yeah, well, and initially it was like a very small amount of money. You know, I don't get too much into the into the into the sort of, you know nitty gritty of it, but it was yeah. it was it was yeah like a small amount of money and. I think that didn't necessarily work out that greatly. I think he, it would be nice if he'd been more inv- more invested in the business. I think sometimes you've got to be careful. If you're too measly with your co-founder and you say, I want 90% in there, just going to have like 10%. At least at, at the start, that's not going to be a lot for, to keep them interested in the product. Yeah, What's the American term? They've not got skin in the game. Yeah, it depends, yeah. Well, it depends what the business is. I mean, I, I only want to do, really, you know, I'm doing smaller businesses. So perhaps if you're going to build a massive billion dollar business, like 1% of a billion dollar business is a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's different, isn't it? So you've got to think carefully about, you know, what your aspirations are as well. So, um, so how do you handle a split then? Or a, was it a breakup when you uh, changed no, business partners? Yeah, I did change. Uh, it's, no, it's more like the new business partner bought out the old one and he, oh, okay. he also bought out 25% of my stake in my, so we went 50-50 um, but I'd, at one point I had two co-founders and so um, and and uh, had so one business was 50-50 one with a new co-founder and my old co-founder we had one where it was 75-25 and I just felt that 50-50 worked a better but they were more invested in the product they were doing more stuff it just seemed a better fit yeah. Um, initially, when I did the other business where it was seventy-five, twenty-five, I wanted to go fifty-fifty. That was the aspiration here, but didn't he, he wasn't as keen in the business to want to do that. So perhaps that should have been a warning sign at the time. Right. But okay. I needed him to build the product, so I didn't really have any choice at the time. Um, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I mean, we've all sort of like everything shifted around. It was kind of painful at the time. It was horrifically stressful, you know. Sounds um, it. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of things like, for example, while while it was all being sorted out, you know, what was worth what, every, the business basically went into lockdown, so we couldn't take any kind of dividends out of the business, and it was kind of over Christmas, so we were kind of really skinned. It was kind of it was kind of a bit depressing actually. Oh dear, yeah, it was, so it's quite stressful. So um, how, how do you physically manage it? So do you have to have an accountant and a lawyer, or is it just? A uh, lawyer? We just had an accountant. Um, we we did um, we did investigate. I don't want to try and avoid like. Um, Lawyers and solicitors, etc., because they're really, really, really expensive. Um, I think my business partner did consult with a solicitor, and there's, a, but not. It wasn't anything really that horrific, you yeah. know. Um, and yeah, it wasn't too messy, really. We we just kind of did as much of it as we could ourselves, really, to keep the cost down, you know. And it, it all, it was there was like things we had to consider. There's all these strange like sort of rules about stocks and shares and all this kind of technical stuff you know they do tax I mean, implications yeah well. you might yeah, yeah you might have to consult like uh you know legal experts it just depends on the nature of what your business is and etc but yeah no it's it is one of the more painful things i've 
had to do actually as changing business partners, but I had to do it because I wanted to expand and grow the business and it was just a better fit between founders and aspirations and all these different things. So it, it was it was worth it in the long run, but it was kind of painful at the time. Yeah. Um, not, not a whole great deal of fun. That's probably why I would say if you can do it on your own, do it on your own. It's just so much easier. I think from what so, you told me about the complexities of doing that, you've kind of helped convince me that yeah, I, no. I would never need a co-founder. No, in some ways it's good. It's good as well. It has its pluses and minuses, like all these things, you know, sometimes it's good to have somebody, a sounding board. It's good to have a different perspective and different skill sets and a different outlook, you know, a bit of diversity is always good in the team, you know. Hmm. So all these things can be good, but um, yeah, it, it, it can be painful as well. Um, so there's lessons to be learned, I think, <laughs> with, with co-founders. Um, so yeah, so, so I guess summarising that then, so I think it's less stressful if you don't have a co-founder, but that, but only really works if you're able to execute decisions yeah, I mean, and, all, and all of the business side. And also, itself. it might depend on the scope, the the kind of businesses. Some businesses are probably that big; you're going to need more people to physically get whatever you're doing done. You know, so yeah, that's, that's, that's one of my key goals. Is you know, I, I don't want you know, I want to expand. I want to earn more from it, but you know expanding the business in terms of having a headcount and all that, yeah. that's just, that's just it's really a, I think if a reference to our last episode, it, it's what does success mean to you? You know, does it mean, if you mm. if your aspirations to grow a billion dollar company, you're going to have to have a team, probably co-founders, probably multiple co-founders. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and a big team, you know, so it's just very different. But if you want to, if success is you is just working on interesting projects and you don't need to grow a big team to do that, you know. And did you ever yeah. see the uh, social network film? I did, yeah. Which yeah. is the kind of, oh, the, the of dramatization of the Facebook story. Yeah, that's kind of painful. Isn't I, mean, it? I, I don't know how much of that was grounded in reality and how much of it was just for the effective drama. story writing. <laughs> the drama, yeah. But I mean, you, you got bits where, was it where one of the co-founders was, he, he signed a contract not, not realizing quite what was in it yeah, and then ended up with no shares. Yeah, out of the business. Yeah, it's, it's very tricky. I think you do, you hear, uh, I probably, I assume in your career, you've come across sort of, sort of found co-founder issues where co-founders have been kicked out of companies or founders have been kicked out of companies and there's just it, it's all kind of quite painful concept and if you get other people involved there's always you're putting yourself at risk whereas if it's just your own business you can't kick yourself out of your own business can you or whatever you know yeah you know it's i guess the best way to sum mine up then is it's more of a lifestyle business yeah no that's 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 a good thing that's not a negative mm. thing that's a definitely a positive thing you control of your own destiny Absolutely, but then, as you're saying, in your situation, if you're at a point where, you know, you're the subject matter expert on the on the product, but you don't have the skills to actually build the product, the product yeah, yeah, then in your sense, it kind of makes sense. Cool, that was quite interesting. That yeah, yeah, I think hopefully it made you think. Uh, hopefully, thinking of the plus and minuses to you know, I think it depends on your aspirations, doesn't it, of what you want to do as well. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine you know, majority of people listening to this are the people you know, you've got that idea that they're kind of working away on secretly while they're employed somewhere. And it is a consideration. Are you going to need to bring someone else on? I mean, yeah. if you're an absolute you know, wizard at building software systems, but you have no idea how to do business accounts or anything like that, you may want someone to help you. But often like, a lot of software people don't know how to market their products. So if they go into partnership with somebody who's perhaps a domain expert, a marketer or something like that, that's probably a really good mix, you know, mm. um, that, that can work well. Um, I think it just it depends, doesn't it? Um, the other thing is, I would recommend if you do if you do find a co-founder, is that ideally you want to, is somebody you want to spend a lot of time with first before you actually go into partnership. It's almost like getting married, isn't it? You don't just 
marry the first person that you meet, you know. <laughs> True. Uh, you, you want to go out on some dates first. Yeah, yeah, you wanna, dates, yeah, yeah. Ideally, you want to spend, you want know, somebody you want to have known for years, ideally, but I know it's not always possible, but, you know, at least try and Socialize. do as much as you can. Socialise, I guess. Yeah, yeah, to get to know this person, especially if you're going to be into business with them for, for, for many years to come. Cause I imagine it's, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, you could know someone, you, you think you know someone fairly well, but mm. then, you know, when things get tough, like, you know, if there's a downturn in the market and revenues drop, it's very difficult to know how people are going to react Yeah, in that, in that circumstance. Yeah, I mean, it's good. The, my current business partner, I kind of knew him socially before, many years before we actually went into business. I met him at events and stuff, you know, so I knew him for quite a number of years before we actually, before we went into, into business. Um, so that, that, that helped a lot, I Yeah, think. definitely. Cool, great. Okay. okay, let's move on to some recommendations. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been looking, I'm thinking more about this actually, um, is about things like culture in terms of like work culture, you know, what kind of, as, as we grow the business, what kind of work culture do we want? And there's one book I've just, just recently read called uh, The Joy of Work by a guy called Bruce Daisley. Um, and it's just quite interesting actually, it's about how you keep teams productive, uh, people's motivations, um, sort of like, psychological safety and I've heard of this so if people feel that they're psychologically safe they can perhaps be more um, honest and creative and not have to worry about things you know it's it's, a, it's all these sort of things like it sounds a little bit like the uh, is it the Maslow hierarchy of needs it's yeah kind of a bit like that yeah I think it's a bit, bit more nuanced I did, did actually mentioned there's something about motivations and they do kind of look at at that and also like counterpoints to that as well you know the different um, psychological needs um, and it's a bit more complex than I think that that's kind of been disproved actually that that theory but no it's just really really interesting I re- would recommend it so, uh, so is the book aimed at people who work sort of a regular nine to five yeah a lot, a lot of them are yeah perhaps people who are wanting to create work cultures as well you know to think carefully about you know how they build teams how teams work in sync you know all these kind of things you know how you get that buzz in the office where everybody's kind of working and everything's working at the right time you know hmm. all these kind of things you know they're all kind of important you know like about the office the office layout just silly things like that. all these things can make a difference you know okay um so we'd, yeah i would check that out actually yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it, it seems all of the books you recommend i end up Reading, reading or, 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 or listening to in one uh, way or another. Yeah, no, no, did, did you check it out? I think it might help you, obviously, with your book as well, potentially. You know, some mm. of the subjects might overlap. But okay, that you're, that you're might, discussing uh, as well. Is, is there an audio book version? Cool, I shall do that. Yeah. Okay, so my recommendation is a channel on YouTube that I've been watching for quite a few years now. It's really good. It's called Charisma on Command. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like a psycho- psychology style, business psychology style thing. But the videos are really interesting. And it's also, it's basically about how to be confident and charismatic. Okay, in, yeah. In life, not necessarily just in business, but in life. Yeah. And he does loads of videos. And like one of the things he does is that he will get like, certain celebrities and he'll do like a, a psychological breakdown of how that celebrity um, operates and how, okay. and how they become famous. Okay, yeah, yeah. So like, he did a really good one with... Um, Oh, what's that American talk show host? Is it Ellen DeGeneres? Okay, yeah, yeah. So about how she interacts with people, and he'll, he'll like he'll show clips of videos, and then he'll stop and he'll say, "You'll notice at this point she says this, or she puts her hand here, or you can see she, you know, looks at the person in a certain way before she speaks." Oh, okay. He, he kind of does. It, he kind of does his kind of like psychological breakdowns, all these things. Yeah. And it's just really. I mean, the videos aren't boring either. They're quite entertaining videos to watch. So you actually. 
enjoy watching them. I was actually kind of learning quite a bit about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, sounds interesting. So, yeah, I thought I'd recommend so this that. Is the science of charisma. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps I should watch it. <laughs> well, how to be confident and charismatic. Oh, yeah, I could do with some more of that. So, yeah, I think I should check it out. Cool, okay, so uh, that's a, another episode in the can. Yeah, yeah another, another one in the can. <laughs> what, why, why do you say in the can's kind of referring to when they like use tape in a can, putting the it? tape in yeah, the can? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a bit like that. We're too old. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And with that, we'll see you all next time. Okay, we'll see you. See you in a fortnight. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.